Welcome to the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm Tom Valentino, Senior Editor for Behavioral Healthcare Executive. And on the line, Kevin Taggart, the Managing Partner of the Healthcare M&A firm, Mertz Taggart. Uh, Kevin, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Tom. Thanks for uh, having me this morning. Appreciate it. Yeah, so you and I were talking uh, back in mid-March, just as uh, everything uh, around uh, COVID-19 was really starting to pick up steam and and a lot of things were starting to get shut down. A lot of uh, shelter-in-place initiatives were starting uh, to really take effect uh, across the country. And, and you and I had talked about uh, what that was going to mean for the, uh, the M&A landscape here, uh, specifically related uh, to behavioral health care. Um, let's kind of pick up our, where we left off with that conversation. Um, you know, the big highlights that, uh, I took away, um, from when we talked were that, uh, you know, deals that were far along in the process you thought were going to, uh, you know, get to the finish line buyers were going to try to push to get those done things that maybe weren't so far along. Um, you're going to kind of start to see, uh, maybe those get put on pause for a little while. Um, and, uh, you know, just to get us started there, do you, still see that here now in late April? Is that still the case? Has it played out that way so far? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that, uh, you know, we're still working on on kind of a number of transactions. They, they've certainly slowed down a bit. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to actually close one on the 13th of March when, when kind of all this stuff was, was starting to hit. Um, and, and that company was actually an eating disorder company in, in California. And uh, ironically enough, the, uh, the governor of California's shut down the uh, the state on the 12th so we were very nervous that uh, our deal wasn't going to get done but but it did and uh, um you know so we we felt fortunate although that you know it it wasn't easy the uh, the banks did try and and put the you know stop it a couple times and and uh fortunately the the buyer was able to kind of leverage their uh, the private equity group that owned them and their relationship and was able to push it through so um but overall I do I do think um you know, things have, have taken a bit of a pause, but uh, I, I think it, it's more of a pause than a than a cancel in, in many cases. You know, speaking of the banks, one of the things you told me was that uh, you had expected banks to start tightening up their lending standards within uh, two to four months from mid-March. So we're probably looking at like early summer. Um, is that still something that uh, you're you're forecasting? Are we already starting to see that? You know, we're starting to see that a little bit. You know, we're we're running a couple processes on the, uh, you know, we focus on behavioral, two two verticals, behavioral and then home care and hospice. And so, um, you know, we're we're running a couple processes on the behavioral side currently, and a couple on the on the home health side. And, you know, we did get an offer the other day on uh, one of the home health opportunities that basically it was going to be an all equity deal, so all, all cash, and then the uh, buyer anticipated, you know, financing that after, you know, kind of normal debt level after closing. So uh, so we're starting to see, I think that, that will certainly play out. And obviously, you, you've got to kind of have the cash up front on hand to, to do that. But uh, I do think that we'll see where, you know, when's a private equity back deal that, that we'll start to see some of them do that until they can, you know, refinance it at favorable terms with, without a, uh, as, as one buyer put it to me, he doesn't want to negotiate with the bank with a, uh, you know, proverbial gun to his head. So he'd like to, um, you know, do that, kick that can down the road. 
Is this all why that uh, I, you know, I saw in your Q1 report that came out last week, there was a line in there. You mentioned um, buyers with cash or access to credit. They're going to see some opportunities. They might see some opportunities that are created by this disruption. Um, is this all related? Is this all tied together? I think so. Um, you know, and I, I think those, those opportunities will, will be somewhat short lived, you know, over the next couple months until we get back to some sense of, of normalcy, hopefully. And then I think, uh, you know, and frankly, I think the, the addiction space, uh, mental health, just behavioral in general has really held up better than, you know, many companies. Um, a lot of treatment centers we're talking to around the country are kind of at record census. I mean, there's a few that we've talked to in the Northeast and in kind of New York and, and, uh, some of those other Northeastern states that have been, um, really hit hard by the virus that, they're down a bit, but, you know, the rest of the country seems to be doing pretty well in addiction treatment and, and mental health. So, um, you know, I think there's also going to be somewhat of a flight to it because it's, it's, it's an essential service, you know, flight to safety. If you own a, you know, say a dental practice, you know, we've talked to a number of people that their, their dental portfolio companies are at zero. Same, you know, even autism has been super hot in behavioral the last uh, number of years. Um, you know, but a lot of them are shut down because they're center-based and, and people aren't crazy about sending their, their child to a center, you know, with 10 or 15 other kids right now. So, um, you know, a lot of those are, are, you know, struggling right now. A lot of them even closed temporarily. And so, uh, you know, we're hopeful that that space comes back. But I think, you know, if you look at the behavioral space, I think autism will, might, might lag more than some of the others. Yeah, I was going to say, um, a real interesting line jumped out at me in that in your report, and it said that um, healthcare M and A in general is going to rebound sooner than other industries, and behavioral health will be on the front edge of that. Is it because of that essential nature? Is that why you feel like uh, behavioral could really uh, spring back here after things get back to I don't know if normal or whatever our new normal is going to be uh, months down the road. Well, I, I do. Um, and I think, you know, behavioral just in general, unfortunately, you think about all the job losses we've had, um, you know, 26 million over the last uh, five weeks. And, you know, we'll see what this week brings, but certainly it's going to add to that total. Um, you know, certainly that brings on, I think, a lot of, of, of anxiety, mental stress for, for people. Um, certainly, you know, you hear antidotally a lot more people are, are drinking and whatnot. So, um, you know, I think that's why treatment centers are, are generally doing well now. Uh, and, and I think that that trend will certainly continue. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, if, just from an investment perspective, if you look at, you know, gosh, if you were a, a restaurant owner or, you know, something the retail business that's really not essential, um, this seems much more risky from, from, you know, a buyer looking outside in at this point than, than kind of an essential service type business. So you mentioned that center-based programs are really struggling. Outpatient, it seems like, has done a little bit, um, been able to weather the storm here a little bit better. And I think in large part that has to do with telehealth. Uh, an interesting uh, panel during the, uh, the Prescription Drug Abuse and, and Heroin Summit here uh, that we conducted a couple of weeks back. Um, and one of the lines I had heard during a, a panel discussion was that, you know, this um, you know, this shutdown, this, the, the, you know, the shelter in place has kind of pulled the industry forward in, you know, kind of forcing the hand of a lot of folks to get on board with telehealth. I'm, I'm kind of curious from an investor perspective, how are they 
viewing uh, the implementation of telehealth by providers? Is this something that's being considered just a, a stopgap measure given current circumstances, or uh, is this something that's going to have legs long term? You know, I, I do think it's going to be something that, that has legs long term. I, I don't necessarily think it, it uh, is going to replace kind of the in-person. Um, you know, I'm not sure about you. I mean, I, I like the Zoom meetings and whatnot, but I, I much prefer in-person in, in meetings. I, I'm kind of getting a little tired of, of, of Zoom. Um, certainly a great tool, but I don't think it replaces the, uh, you know, so I think it may be kind of a, an incremental service that, uh, you know, does allow people that just don't have the bandwidth for whatever reason um, a whole lot easier to do a you know an hour tele uh, telehealth session versus um, driving to you know to get to go be in a group or or whatever. Um, and interestingly enough, um, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, United Health Group um, Ventures announced that they were purchasing a company called Ablito, which I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation of that, but it's a it's a telehealth company, been in business I think 12 years or so. Um, and they're going to pay 10 times revenue for that deal. So it was like 270 million. Uh, don't don't quote me on that exact figure, but it was 10 times revenue. You can read all about that uh, potential actually, deal actually, on behavioral.net. Excuse me. It was actually 470 million. Yes. So, um, so I think that's a sign that you know. I mean, a, that's a, obviously one of the major payers that are are spending a lot of money with a very high multiple. Um, you know, to, to kind of make that bet. And it seems like, you know, the people that we talk to across the country, insurance companies seem to be on board with paying for it now too. So given the, given the crisis, I, I think it's hard to take that back. Sure. Um, one other thing that I saw in your Q1 report, and I'm speaking of which I will link to that report um, in the show notes for this episode for everybody listening. If you want to uh, check that out on the, the Mertz Taggart website, I highly encourage you to do that. A lot of good information in there and a great breakdown of what took place in the first quarter of 2020. But uh, one of the other things that jumped out at me there was that uh, addiction treatment M&A activity could be picking up uh, by year's end. Uh, I'm kind of curious, walk our listeners through, um, what factors will make addiction treatment providers more attractive targets for acquisition uh, as things start to pick back up here uh, in the latter half of the year and then possibly into early 2021? You know, I think uh, over the last couple of years, you know, addiction, I think, hit its peak in kind of early 2018. And, uh, you know, buyers were certainly a lot less discerning on what they were looking for. Um, you know, during the, you know, 15, 16, 17, they've gotten a lot smarter. And I think the message has kind of gotten through to a lot of the treatment center providers. You know, a lot of the people that were out of network 100% in, you know, 15, 16, you know, we're talking to, you know, groups that are now, you know, 50, 60, 70% in network. They still got some, you know, out of network payers where it makes sense. Um, you know, so I think people that have, that have converted to, in network is, is certainly one of the things, and we're seeing more and more of that. Um, you know, very rarely do do we see 100% out of network, and we still see them. And you know, a lot of times they're still making a ton of money, so it's hard to say. You know, don't um, you know don't don't keep doing that when when they're making money and they don't have necessarily a, a sale goal in the near horizon. So I think you know people are continuing to do that. I think people have gotten the message about the labs not having a lot of lab revenue. Very rarely do we see that anymore. I think they've gotten more uh, deliberate in kind of their marketing, you know, having that a little bit more diverse, having, you know, some internet, some local, um, 
you know, alumni, kind of a nice, you know, diverse mix of, of um, referral sources. You know, certainly the, the payers, the more diverse you can be on the payers is, is always a, a little bit less risk. If you think about it from a buyer's perspective, if you've got, you know, 70% of your revenue coming from one payer and then that payer changes the rates, it can, you know, dramatically affect your, um, what your P&L looks like. So, you know, and I realize, you know, we certainly realize that that's not always possible, but certainly the more diverse you can be on that, um, I, I think is a good thing. And then I think clinical, you know, your clinical program certainly matters a whole lot more today than it did um, three or four years ago. Um, so I think, you know, if I had to pick kind of the top five, those would probably be it. Okay. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about mental health. It looked like uh, there were quite a few transactions in that subsector um, of, uh, you know, what you were analyzing here in, in behavioral health more broadly, um, kind of a, an up and down uh, space. Although the first quarter, I believe there were what, uh, 10, 10 deals announced in the mental health in uh, the first quarter of the year. Um, do you expect this, uh, you know, up and down to continue or, or what's going on there? Yeah, no, we, we certainly expect there to be more of a, a trend in, in mental health in general. Just, um, you know, if you look at the life stance transaction that was uh, just completed a couple weeks ago, that was started, I want to say about three years ago, somewhere, you know, three to four years ago, total, um, you know, total startup with really, you know, they, then they acquired, you know, a small platform and they did a bunch of mental health roll-ups around the country and, and they sold to P TPG Capital for a billion too. So, um, you know, I'm not exactly sure how much money that was, that was originally backed by Summit. I'm not sure how much money they had in it, but, uh, you know, my guess is that was a wildly successful, um, you know, transaction for them. So, and we've talked to a, a number of private equity groups and some strategic buyers recently that are more traditional uh, addiction, you know, treatment providers that are really looking to get into mental health providers. So, you know, you know, kind of like the psychology psychiatrist uh, practices. So, um, yeah, we, and we certainly see that as a, a trend that I think will continue. All right. Uh, any other emerging trends or developments we should be keeping our eye on here in the next uh, three to six months? Uh, you know, I think the mental health is, is probably the biggest one. And I think the interesting thing there, too, is just, I guess, follow on a little bit is you know, some of these big private equity groups are, are willing to come sub-million dollar EBITDA to, to get into space. And, and some of them are even hiring executives kind of prior to their, their first, uh, you know, platform investment because they're so committed to it. So, I think that's probably going to be, um, you know, first and foremost. And then I think addiction treatment's going to, um, you know, I don't think it probably gets back to the highs uh, from a multiple perspective, but I certainly think that uh, there's going to be more activity in that space, um, you know, in the Q3, Q4, you know, rolling into to early 2021. Kevin, great stuff as always. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, there you go. Kevin Taggart, managing partner for the healthcare M&A firm Mertz Taggart. We appreciate Kevin joining us today. A reminder, you can subscribe to the BHE podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as the TuneIn app. That's going to do it for us. I'm Tom Valentino, and this has been the Behavioral Healthcare Executive Podcast. Yeah.